What is going on guys and welcome back to another episode of the Fit Shit Podcast. Uh, today I'm really excited to have Sarah Ford Bishop back on. Uh, we're going to cover her health journey where she's at improvements and or changes relative to our last episode. So if you have not already listened to that, please go back um, and check that out so that you're all caught up and know where we're at in that conversation. And then we'll move forward and talk about my health journey where I'm at. I shared a little bit about that on YouTube for you guys and I got some great feedback. So First and foremost, I want to say thank you for that, but I'll give you a full update here um, in the upcoming weeks and what's been going on since I stopped training a couple weeks ago. So um, Sarah, thank you for coming on and let's just dive right into it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I had to quickly like recap like where I was when we last talked, but I think I left off. I was starting to reintroduce FODMAPs, I think was where we last talked. Um, and I did discover through that, that, um, asparagus is a no-go, um, at least in large quantities. So like I can have asparagus like one day, but if I try to have it like five days in a row, it's like bloating, like not a fun time. Um, cruciferous veggies in general just seem to be like one of those things that like I'm just going to not have to, or I'm not going to be able to eat large quantities of, mm-hmm. um, which I mean, that's not the biggest deal in the world. I just, you know, we'll space it out. I, I tend to buy frozen veggies instead of like fresh for a lot of things like that anyway. So I can still eat broccoli and just space it out. Um, as opposed to like, you know, cooking up fresh stuff, but Um, so that's kind of that on the digestion, um, hormone wise, I still kind of getting a a psych, a period every, you know, 30 days or so. Um, however, I feel like things are just still not optimal, um, based off just the, you know, tracking different, you know, fertility markers. I don't think I'm ovulating. I have been breaking out like crazy this month and it's pissing me off. Um, but I think that there might be some probably estrogen dominance still potentially my liver needing some support. Um, so anyway, I'm getting a Dutch test done next month. Um, so anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's a, it's a urine test. So basically you have to stay home all day and, and pee and collect your pee. Um, and then you're going to be able to see the breakdown of your hormones, but then also the metabolites, um, and see how you're methylating, see, um, see how your um, just your detox pathways. So it'll be really cool. I mean, it's something I see with clients and something I haven't done for myself. Um, so I'll be doing that in January, but that's kind of where we're at. How about you? So when it, I just want to back up a little bit. So yeah, yeah. the first thing that we talked about was introducing FODMAPs. And I don't know if everybody here understands like what that looks like and what it is. I now am going through a five-hour protocol where essentially I'm going to have to be low FODMAP and gluten-free, which totally makes me sad because if you guys know me at all, I love bread. I love sandwiches. And so, uh, yes, they make gluten-free bread, but it's just, it's not. It's not the best. It's not the same. It's not worth it to me. So I might take up. It's bacon. expensive. No, it's it's literally three times the price. I was so upset because you can order like gluten free sourdough, and I was like, okay, like maybe I'll just do that. It's like eight dollars a loaf. Yeah. Like, 
whereas you can go to like the local grocery store and get like their brand of bread for like two bucks. I'm like, this is bullshit. So because I have to make adjustments for my health, you're going to tax me like triple the price. Anyways, I digress. Um, But if you want to walk through kind of the did you go full on elimination first um, as far as that process? Um, and then as far as like food choices, sources, or meals that you found that you could rely on for staples, I do think anyone that's kind of going through that process, like myself, would benefit from understanding like what your meals kind of look like with that protocol. Yeah. So um, I, when I did start my gut protocol, I went all, I went no FODMAPs, um, no dairy, no gluten no alcohol and lowering, you know, the caffeine and artificials, artificial sweeteners. Um, so with the FODMAPs, the biggest things for me were more, I was already pretty much gluten-free before. Um, so I just went a little bit stricter on that, like double checking, like any like ingredients, um, you know, not getting like, I mean, I really like, I was just pickier. Like if I did go out to eat that sort of thing, um, as far as the FODMAP go, FODMAPs goes, if you go to, I think it's called like ibsdiet.com mm-hmm. is the list. Um, and I just dialed it on the green. So there's all this red of like what you can't eat. And I just focused in on the green stuff. So um, with the FODMAPs, it's a lot of, it's, it's soluble fiber. It's the way it's, it's fermentable. Soluble fiber is a lot of the fruits and veggies. So um, like no more like apples, um, you know, certain, I'm trying to think because I, I focused so long on what I could, when, what I could eat, I almost forgot about some of the other stuff. Um, but you know, like I could still eat berries. I could still eat, you know, vegetable wise. I couldn't do, um, like I said, like asparagus, I couldn't do, um, but I could do zucchini. I could do bell pepper, And I just focused in spinach, you know, I just focused in on what I could eat basically. And that really helped me, um, helped me not to stress too. You know, I, a lot of my meals were, were more like based off around chicken or beef or eggs, as opposed to, you know, any dairy. Um, I still was doing a whey isolate. I, I didn't have any issues with that. And with the isolate, you're not getting the lactose. So, um, you know, I think that would be my biggest advice for anybody. If they were going through any type of elimination diet, I I feel that a low FODMAP diet is still pretty inclusive. Um, it's not meant to be a forever thing, but it's still pretty, you know, inclusive. Yeah. Um, And then when you go to reintroduce the first food that I reintroduced was blackberries and that was fine. (laughs) So for me, um, I can, I can definitely relate because I, I have tried really hard to, since if you don't know my history, my first coach in 2016 was like the ultimate restrictive diet ever, like super bro. My fats were eight almonds a day. Like, and so, you know, throughout my journey, I've really opened up flexibility and tried to not overwhelm myself feeling restricted. And so as soon as I found out that like things that I love, I have to eliminate for a temporary period of time. Like initially I felt a little overwhelmed because I don't want to get back into like any type of feeling restricted with food habits. I think that that's just something psychologically for me that I really try to avoid. And I say that because one thing I like that you really said was you focused on what you could have. And I, I really emphasize this with clients. I think it's much more 
psychologically beneficial to encourage them to eat more of fruits and vegetables and more of this and adding things in versus being like, you can't have sugar, you cut carbs, don't have anything, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that's what builds poor relationships with foods. And that's exactly how I am going to approach this is like, instead of looking at, I just pulled up this, this list that I have downloaded on my Yeah, phone. it's, yeah, all the green. Yeah. And then just really focus on, okay, the green and double checking labels. And one thing for me is like, I love garlic and onion. <laughs> I do that taste. Yeah, I also notice that whenever specifically I have like minced onion, I get really bad digestion. Um, pears are on there. I had a pear the other day and I was like, oh yeah, no, this is not a good, this is not there. Right. And then I got the confirmation back. I was like, well, that's why it's on that list. Um, so just anyone that's going through any type of like gut reset or health reset, I think the most important emphasis on that point is that it's temporary, right? So doing these things is not a long-term thing. I pray that gluten will come back into my diet. (laughs) Yeah. Over time, even if it's not like every day, I just really love a well-made sandwich. And I think for the quality of my life, <laughs> I either need to take up baking and like, cause you can get actually, um, spelt sourdough and mm-hmm. you can it that way. So you can, most of the time, if it's from a bakery, it's, it's going to be gluten-free, but always double check the label. So I did get some from like a local bakery, even though it's still like quadruple the price um, and I'll have it once a day and so still limiting the frequency of that just in case um, is important but I'm really happy um, that you mentioned all of that stuff and just double check the label but if again like one of the most important psychological elements for yourself is to remember your purpose of doing something right something for your health overall is the importance and what you need to focus on like for me talking about my health journey right now is I love training. I miss it so much. I think about it every day, but me adding training right now, when the bigger goal is my health and my menstrual cycle and getting my reproductive hormones back on track and fixing my digestion and all of those things, like my internal health markers are more important than my deadlifting 300 pounds at the gym. Right. And so even though I miss it and I can't wait to get back to it, it's been a chronic stress for my body for such a long period of time and even dialing it back. And I did this reason. It wasn't like a, I was training six days a week and then went cold Turkey kind of thing. Like I tried regressing. I tried changing the mode of my training. I got into jujitsu and I still was having these really negative biofeedback markers regardless of that. So, you know, this yesterday, not last night, but the night before was the first time since I was probably a kid that I slept over 11 hours and like so pulling back and finding that recovery like my body is starting to feel good with that even though mentally there are challenges along the way that we'll we'll talk about a little bit it's it's important for me to remind myself every day that like I'm doing this for a reason and it's temporary and I've gotten a lot of questions on how I deal with like not training how are you dealing with your body image how are you doing with those things and so I'm going to throw the conversation back to you first um, with when you were going through a recovery or like this time off, right? You're, you're, you've obviously put on body fat and, and gained weight. Um, and for you, that makes me number one, super fucking proud of you. And I tell you that all the time, but I think it's really important to emphasize because it's not easy, but, um, I want you to share a little bit how, about how you worked through that, um, and where you're at now. And I know that you've mentioned like being a lot more confident with where you are now and you just feel better. And so if you can open up a little bit about the mental side of that, I I think our listeners would appreciate it. Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, I have growing up like a history of eating just anorexia. Um, so very, you know, underweight. And then I, you know, 
was in recovery and, um, I I'm still, you know, small and then I competed right in 2019 and got absolutely peeled. Like you could see my organs peeled. Um, and then, so that was 2019. So now we are end of 2021, which is wild. And I have not dieted since then. Um, so I've just been continuing to gain weight, um, and, fat as well. And then, you know, this year has been big on the hormones digestion. So that also looks like, like you said, pulling back to training. So I'm now training four days a week, which, yeah, I mean, I'm someone that used to train six days a week and on day seven, it was cardio or yoga or <laughs> like some type of like quote unquote active recovery, you know, um, I would say, and, and, you know, that's, that was several, years ago, you know, I've been like, it's still to like six days a week and three days on one day off. And then, you know, like different, you know, um, kind of breakdowns and different amount of amounts of rest days within that. But anyway, some of the mindset shifts that really helped me when I kind of knew that I need to pull, needed to pull back from the gym or and rest more was I flipped it to like, okay, you think you're so hardcore and you are so, you know, disciplined and all this stuff, realizing, you know, for me, discipline and hardcore meant fighting that natural tendency to do more, do more, do more. So if I was really quote unquote hardcore, my task was then to let myself pull back and rest and deal with it um, and kind of sit in the suck a little bit. Um, and you know, in that kind of realizing that for me, movement in general was very much me moving away from being just with me. Like it was more, it, it, a lot of it was tied to like, just doing, doing, doing. So I wouldn't have to think, or I wouldn't have to sit with any feelings of discomfort. Um, I mean, like one example I could give you would be like last year, like during like, um, like when we first went into like lockdowns and stuff in March, um, of 2020, you know, and my wedding was canceled like five days before it was supposed to happen. And we wanted to lock, like, it was all like this crazy stress. Right. And, you know, I remember telling like my, telling my now husband, I was like, if they shut down the gym, like that's my last thing. That's like my last coping mechanism. Like, I don't know what I'll do. And sure enough, they shut down the gym. Um, so, you know, and I, I found that like, oh, wow. Like I, I didn't need the gym, but I did find that I still needed that movement. And then I, you know, again, feelings of discomfort, I turned to too much movement again and it, you know, bit me in the ass. So it's just like, you know, those, you know, realizing that, you know, running from, I was literally running from those feelings of discomfort though. And that's what, got me in a place where I ended up injured, you know, from running too much too soon. Um, and, you know, in having to rest from that, like I realized like, oh, wow, like I just need to kind of sit with this and maybe I need to cry a little and scream and be pissed and, and, and deal with that and not run from it. Did you ever question yourself on why that gives you so much anxiety? Like, why do you fear not being able to train? Like, these are things that I'm like actively challenging in my brain is like when I feel some type of way, I'm like, why do I feel, why do I, why does that make me feel that way? And then I like yeah. really want to challenge it. Like I, that's where I'm at right now. For example, I made it. And I talked about this. Like I, I made a post and the first sentence was you can do anything for 30 days, but can you do absolutely nothing? 
And for me, that's like a challenge. Like everyone's like, you can do anything. Like you talking about being so hardcore. Can you actually chill the fuck out? Like, is that hard? And I think that there's this other side of fitness where the people that are actively doing more, pursuing more, working as hard as they possibly fucking can, they take the message of do more, work harder. You're not hardcore enough. And those are the extremists like you and I that will take it and then take it a step too far. Right. Mm -hmm. And so again, like these have detrimental impacts, but psychologically we battle through those things because a, we love to do it. Like there's a balance of love, but then there's also like this standard of excellence and expert and, you know, doing everything and wanting to be more and better. And with that, you, you think comes more work, but I've had to challenge every uncomfortable thing and reflect on why, I feel that way. Why do I, like, I would never tell a client to act the way that I have. I would never do that. And so it's like, why am I so hard on myself? Why do I need to do all those things? Why does this make me feel uncomfortable? And so when it comes to, you know, taking this time away, and I mentioned this to Sarah uh, before we started the conversation was it wasn't, I also set boundaries on adding more work to my to my workload, because that's one thing I did when we were in lockdown was, okay, so I can't train as frequently as I want to. I can't do as much as I want to. I'm just going to work myself to death and I would stay in my apartment. I would get my steps and then I would work, work, work. All I did was work. And that is again, like things that I will do to keep myself busy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I realized then like, that's still a stress, like work is hard, especially like client work, like really like taking on clients, looking at them on an individual basis, addressing their issues and, you know, doing that work on top of educational learning, right. You've invested in a mentor and like programs and things like that to continue to become better. And so adding like piling shit onto the table um, that is already a mess was not going to be beneficial for me during this time. And so I chose to start working in, you know, better morning habits, instead of just having my cup of coffee and sitting down and starting working, getting in some movement, setting my intentions for the day, you know, looking at things that I'm grateful for, things that I want to accomplish, um, and being a little bit more mindful in the morning with myself and being present with myself and working through things again, like challenging myself. And I don't know if you experienced this, but I, I messaged you the day, um, that I felt it because I realized like, in my dietary choices, for example, I don't eat a lot of red meat. And I wanted to know like, why, why do I do that? And a lot of the times, like I, my first coach was like, you are what you eat and you don't eat fat. Like, you know, we're not fat. You don't eat fat. And for whatever reason, that's, that's still in my brain sometimes. Um, and so like, I, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to make this piece of food make me feel like, way. it's fucking food. So, um, you know, I went to the store and I bought some steak and I was like, I'm having steak. I didn't even look at the label. I was like, that looks good or whatever. And, you know, I, cha- I had to challenge that thought because I, I don't want to live in that mindset ever, um, of feeling some type of way about a factor. Now that's an example of food, but it could be anything, right? Like training. Why does it make me feel anxious not to train? If I don't hit 10,000 steps a day, why does that make me feel anxious? Why is that bothering me? And so I can wrap my mind around these things, these habits that I have, um, ingrained in, in the way that I operate. And I don't necessarily think they're bad. I think daily movement is excellent, right? I think that you should have some type of movement count. So I'm not saying these are bad habits by any stretch of the imagination. And there is a time and a place for them. But if I'm focusing on relaxing and de-stressing my body, am I allowing it to do that? If I'm anxiously checking my watch, looking at the fact that I only have 4,000 steps, 
right? Like that's, that's where I'm trying to figure out what, what is that balance going to look like for me when I, when I come on the other side um, and get back into training, right? I want to find, and everyone says this word balance and it, it has to look different for everybody because I don't really know. There was a period where I started pulling back and I was like train smarter, not harder and, and you know, do the work and all those things, but it was still too much, right? It was still mm-hmm. more than I needed to do. And I train like a savage. I mean, like I do as much as I can, as hard as I can. And I know that um, the integrity of which my work ethic is, 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 is something that I, I like about myself, but at the same time, um, you know, I, again, with gaining weight with, you know, not, I don't even weigh myself right now because I don't want to, I, I know that that will set me off and like, I'll feel some type of way about my body image and I don't want to do that. But I also remind myself, A, this is temporary and B, I can lose body fat, especially if I can optimize my hormonal profiles and get everything back online where it needs to be. It's going to be much easier for me to do that (laughs) than it was, you know, this last prep when I was, you know, running myself into the ground um, because something internally was off and, and I should not have engaged in that journey. So um, those are just some things. And I don't know if you have any feedback or thoughts on, on that, or if you experience like things that you've had to challenge yourself with over the years? Um, one, everything you said completely resonates. And then I think two, I mean, there's so many places I could go off of that. I think, I think one, I mean, just in hearing you talking, I was thinking like, this is both your greatest and maybe one of my greatest strengths. And one of my greatest weaknesses is that competitive nature. And you can use that to self-destruct and always be wanting more and never, it never being enough and always living the future and being in that anxious place, you know, or you can kind of use it to be competitive with yourself and, and really seeing that that means and, and asking yourself what it means to be better and, and being brutally honest that it's not doing more. And, and that's the hard work. I mean, I think the biggest, most people's biggest downfall, just, I mean, I see it, you see it as a coach, you know, we see it just in the industry is people aren't self-aware or they are self-aware, but they don't do anything about it. Or they, they stop, they stop before it gets too deep because it's uncomfortable. Right. Like they know, like, for example, like I know that I'm anxious about not, about not going to the gym. Therefore I just continue going to the gym like they don't like question it or they don't, you know, ask why, or, you know, dig deeper. And I think, I think it's very complicated. The answer, like you asked me like where that came from for me, like that, that fear of not doing more or the where those fears come from. I think it's really complicated. I think it's a mix of, you know, our, um, I think it's a mix of our, just our psychology, like our personalities, I think it's a mix of, you know, histories, like things people said to us either directly, like your coach with the red meat or indirectly, like just societal standards, um, personality, I think just identity, like we identify as being athletes. I mean, you very much so, you know, being, you know, like playing basketball. And I I mean, like, go ahead have you, and I started listening and I don't, I don't know much of his story, but Lewis house, you know, he wrote a book and it's like the man behind the mask, excuse me, if that's incorrect, but it's something about masking and yeah. Yeah. Do a podcast with him. Um, and I believe it was Jordan Peterson. 
um, talking about where you find value in yourself as an athlete, because a lot of athletes struggle the most because we wear this mask, right? You have to be very masculine. You have to be very hard. You have to be very aggressive. You have to be very, you know, you're setting this standard of what an athlete is. And when you picture an athlete, like you don't picture someone soft, you don't picture someone emotional. You picture like Ray Lewis, you know what I mean? Like yeah. so good. Even people that don't like me have to watch me. You know, they have this demeanor, this attitude, this chip on their shoulder. And so my entire life I've aligned with that and, and I've, I've shown up as that. And so people like my family knows, you know, they know that I'm super soft, like internally, like I'm, I'm an emotional person, but I don't put that out into the universe. Right. I, I wear this thing because it's, it's expected of you, right? You can't be soft. Like when I played division one basketball, if you were soft in the locker room, you're going to get your ass beat by your teammate. I mean, it was one of those things where you have to keep this. I don't, it's ego. I mean, if I'm going to call a spade a spade, I'm sure it's ego. So yeah. And, and surviving in the environment that you're in. Yeah. And then I have to reflect on like, when it comes to fitness, like I put a lot of pressure on my body image because as a female in the fitness industry, as a coach, in the bodybuilding niche. I mean, it just continues to elevate body. Like, you know, people will be like, if you don't walk the walk, if you don't look a certain way, why would you hire that coach who's fat? Like all those different things, right? You see this on social media. And so you consume these things and you have to, you feel like you have to hold yourself to that standard. And so I've felt for a long time that if I don't look like this, then somehow I'm inadequate as this. And I, I think that's silly. Like logically, I know that's absolutely not true some of the best coaches I had um, throughout my endeavors were not good athletes. They just knew the game. They knew what they needed to do. They knew how to produce. They knew how to take potential and then manifest it into that athlete becoming what they knew they could be. Right. And so now when I look at my coaching and my approaches and all those things, that's who I want to be. I want to be the mastermind, right? I don't need to be the physical being that represents something. I don't need to have IFBB pro to make me an adequate coach. I don't need to be 10% body fat and only 10, 10 pounds over my stage weight to find value there. And I think for me in my personal journey, I've held myself to that standard because I thought that's what was valued. And so I have to remove that element of my physical um, and find value in what I give and what I know and mastering what it is that's going to be my craft as a coach, mastering the art of it, um, and then doing it because I love it, not because I feel obligated to do it because of what someone might think of me. It, more importantly, it's, it's what, I, what I think of me and who I want to be. And so it's, it's, again, like these, these, I've spent so much time in the last 20 days of, of not training, you know, keeping diaries and reflecting and, and challenging myself. And it's been probably the most insightful 30 days collectively of my life. Like I'm sure I've had them like scattered around like throughout my 28 years. Um, but being very intentional um, with understanding myself. And I don't know that you can ever really master your own mind, but I do think it's, it's one thing to be self-aware. It's another thing to do something about it. And that is so uncomfortable. I mean, there are so many days because I'm like, I can tell at this point, like I've definitely put on body fat, like it's just there. But I also am very confident in my ability to lose that body fat when it's time. And I think a lot of people that go through reverses or go through health phases or restoration phases or, you know, things that we as coaches that believe in, in health um, really emphasize for our clients that it, if you can remind yourself that this is temporary and the short-term investment is important for the long-term result, 
that you want to achieve and sustain for yourself, that's almost exciting. I, I don't know if, if you kind of had that aha moment through your time, but it's like, this is going to be cool to see what happens after this, after this phase, however long it takes. And I've, I've mentioned before, like it's 30 days right now. Hopefully I can get back into some training right now. I'm only doing, you know, walking, keeping my heart rate under 140 beats per minute, like literally just low intensity steps and strolls. 20 minutes, five times a week. I mean, nothing crazy, um, but to just keep movement in, but it's going to be, I don't know. I'm just excited to train, to be able to recover, to perform. I don't know if I've opened up like about how bad my blood work is, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. You um, tell me a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, everything is, um, it's, it's just not worth the investment of my training when I'm not recovering from it. Like period there's, there's chronically elevated levels of protein turnover. Um, like you have to get blood tests to confirm rhabdo, but I essentially have chronic rhabdo, like through yeah. blood work. You, can, you can see it dating back well, to 2020. It's counterproductive. I mean, you're, you're going to the gym for your mind at that point for your anxious thoughts. You're not yeah. You're not going to the gym because it's productive for your physique goals because it's not, it's counterproductive. Um, and again, that's like the brutal honesty that you have to have to give to yourself. And yeah, I, I think the hardest part is about a lot of this is the identity shifts. And, you know, for me, it was like, who am I, if I'm not the tiny one, you know, that was a big, that's been a big part of my journey, you know, looking at my, you know, last couple of years, not just this last you know, six, six months or so, um, is like, who am I, if I'm not the small one and it takes like time to like grieve that a little bit, you know, like, you know, for you, like, it's not going to be like, you're having these realizations right now, but there's still going to be grieving that comes with that, you know, throughout, you know, just, it may not be every day. It may not be every other day, but it'll come up. Um, and, you just got to sit with it. And like you said, like, ask yourself, like, what's most important here? And what do you truly, really want at your core? Um, Because I think, you know, we're talking a lot about like, understanding yourself and calling yourself out on that deep level. But then also, like, what comes up on that deep level of like, you know, what are the positives that come up? Like, what are like, you know, what makes you feel like alive? And what makes you feel good? And, and what, you know, not like societal standards, like what you truly, you know, want to do and what feels good for you. Yeah. All of it is just, I think a lot of people are afraid to have their feelings hurt. And this is why I also think it's really important to have people that are close to you that can have those hard conversations with you and make you a little bit more self-aware. And I very much value the people that are like, I've, I've been waiting for you to have this realization. I remember, um, the day that I got the feedback Um, and I've consulted with other like professionals who are, who I, whose opinions I value and trust, you know, they're like, at this point, we've tried pulling back, we've tried doing X, Y, and Z. Like you need to just cut it cold Turkey because it's not happening for you. And I remember I felt so much anxiety about not training immediately. I called my best friend and he was like, I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited for you. You need this. Like, and I was like, I'm freaking out and you're happy. Like what the fuck, you know? And he's like, this is going to be good for you. This is such a good thing. This is such a good thing. And it initially that shock of like, how am I going to cope? What am I going to do with my time? You know, it's like, I spend so much of my time moving 
like I, I really do. And so like, what if you have to physically, and I don't, I don't just mean mentally, but like physically sitting with yourself is hard. And then it's like, do you distract yourself? And I've like really committed to like being on social media, the very minimum, because I'm someone, again, this is probably my extremist side of my personality, but it wasn't just like, I'm going to slowly change these things. It was like, I'm going to throw myself right into this fucking fire and see if I come out the other side. Like that's at that point, like when I decided to take these 30 days, I was like, if I do this and distract myself with things that are not conducive to my growth, whether it's internal, external, or whatever it might be, then I'm not fully serving myself in this time. Right. And you only have time. I think time is a variable that people overestimate where it's like, I can't wait till the end of the day. I can't wait for this. And I'm like, this is my moment right now here. Right. How am I going to take full advantage of this? And instead of focusing on the future, like you said, and, and being in that mindset, which I've, I've lived in um, many, many moments of my life is just thinking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, what's next going forward, instead of being very present and appreciating what I have right now. And all of those things are just things that I actively work on. Cause I do have big goals. I do think about what I want to achieve. I do think about the next steps. And I think that that's a part of what makes you successful, especially in business, um, having strategy systems plans and like checking the boxes and ensuring progression. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's important, but at the same time, like doing that constantly. And that was me, like it was never good enough. It was never enough where I was at, how much I made, what I was doing, how much I progressed with my physique, what my weight was, how fast I was losing, what I was doing, like anything in my life, it was never good enough. And that's, I don't know where that stems from. It's just how I am. And so like, I have to be like, you've accomplished this, but I'm really proud of you for being here right now. I'm really proud of you for this and that. And I think finding myself... (laughs) And this, this part of my journey um, has been very scary, but uh, very liberating as well. And I just, it's been fun to watch you because I remember like, even when I had first really met you and hung out with you through our master's program, like who you were then compared to who you are now, so different and like very transformative. And it's just like, it's exciting to see, um, because I know that that has probably changed you a lot too. Yeah. And, and I don't want to give the illusion that I'm through it, you know, either. Like I still struggle with, especially that mindset of like, and I I think it switches. Like, you know, I think when I was younger, it was more so like comparison with like body image and stuff like that. And now it's like business, right. And doing more and, and, you know, like, and I can say the same for you, you know, especially, you know, just these last couple of months, I feel like, you know, you're transforming and it's really cool to see. Um, but, oh shit. What was I going to say? Um, that you were talking about, um, comparing yourself to business and this really resonates with me. So first of all, I just, I don't know if you've, you, you work with Austin as a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. In business or is it just functional health? Yeah, Really just the functional health, but I do like ask him some of the business questions and what I love about Austin. And I think, oh, this is what I was going to say is you're, you're talking before about like trusting yourself and like trusting that, you know, through this health phase, you'll be able to, you know, get to where you want to be eventually. And like, it's uncomfortable now, but it won't always be. And similar mindset for me with some of the business stuff. And like I said, I'm not, I'm still, I still struggle with it, but it's like this kind of like back and forth in my head. But what helps me is to think about like, I have this work ethic. I have this knowledge. I have this passion. I have these resources and these people, you know, in my, in my network 
I'm going to get to where I want to be. It's just a matter of time. Yes. Um, so it's kind of like, don't stress about it because, you know, I have, I trust myself. Um, and I, I trust myself like to the point where I'll just jump off sometimes. Like you said, like, it's kind of like that radical, instead of like doing something gradually, you'll just go all in on it, mm-hmm. which maybe for some people is not the best, but I think in some instances it is a good thing to just go all in on something. Um, and, and trust yourself that like, it's kind of like you jump and you figure it out on your way down. Um, so anyway, but like, I trust that I can do that. Like I trust in my abilities. Um, and and like knowing that, like, if I rush the product, it's not going to be what I want it to be. Um, you know, rush, like the business growth, if you rush, if you just force content out on social media, it's just not what you really want. It's not there's not a good vibe with it. I don't know. That's how I feel. Um, and you could apply that to the gym kind of stuff too. Like if you, you know, if like, you know, don't, if you half-ass your rest days, you know, your, your gym, your training in the gym is not going to be all that it could be. Um, you know, if you don't pull back from work, it's not going to be all that it can be in, in any type of work. Right. And I, I want to circle back to the business stuff because I think there's a lot in there, right? I am, someone in my business who I, I realized this, and this might help you too. People come to you for you, right? They come to you because of who you are and what you communicate and your reputation, right? I don't, I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, I don't post on my stories now accepting applications, like apply here. I see a lot of people do that. But for me, one of the best things with growth is client referrals, I don't have to abdicate and keep, you know, you know, I mean, a lot of people will use social media and I'm just giving that as an example, right. Where they'll really promote, you know, apply here, apply for my coaching, go here, taking on clients, only have five spots, whatever it might be. Um, And I, I do that because when I think about the type of coach I want to be, I want to be the coach that I would want, right. It's not about me being like anybody else because I, I, I used to compare myself to other coaches and I realized they are so much further along the coaches at the top right now, or the ones that are being talked about have been doing this for decades. And so it's like, I just launched my business a few months ago. I've been coaching since 2000 in competition prep since 2018, right? I'm a baby. I'm a baby coach. And I have, I am very confident in my abilities. I understand my passion. I understand my vision. I have great resources. And if I don't know the answer, I can find it or I know someone who does. Um, and I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. Cause I, I would never want to mislead a client um, by pretending because coaches are talking about X, Y, or Z. I think that that is doing a large disservice. And I do see that unfortunately where people pretend to have knowledge and application that they can help someone Um, but they're ultimately taking advantage and and their integrity is not there. So for me, you know, one of the standards of my business is leadership, integrity, fortitude, and excellence. Um, And it it stands for life, right? This is about your life. This is about changing your life, improving your life. And those are the standards in which I uphold myself in my business. And so when I think about, you know, posting on social media, for example, like everyone's like, you got to constantly post, you got to consistently post, and then you got to do the right hashtag and you got to do carousels and reels and all this business. And I'm like, to me, that's not authentic. I'm not being myself if I'm forcing something. If I don't have something to say, I'm not going to post. I don't feel, I don't, I don't find that helpful to anybody. It's not helpful to me, right? It's yeah. I don't have a message that I think is going to help someone. 
or that I can share or, you know, story tell that might resonate and give somebody peace of mind and, and help them through wherever they're at. I, I don't feel so inclined to force a selfie and be like, hip thrust is a must. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, so for you, like, I think the best thing that you can do is be the coach that you want to be act like that. I, I was listening to a podcast on mindset. I do a lot of this now. I think if I get another certification or degree, it will be in psychology, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, it's not about just thinking about who you want to be, but actively acting like it, even if you're not confident in it, right. Acting that way, that doesn't mean be misleading, but it means start acting yeah. or thinking in the way in which you already are who it is you want to be right. Embody those things. And through that process, you can, you, you, you will, you will become that you will manifest it. You will grow into it. But the first thing is acknowledging where your shortcomings are with that process. Right. So maybe for you, it's constantly comparing yourself to other people feeling like you should be there. And then instead of, you know, degrading the elements of yourself that you feel are inadequate compared to that person, it's about manifesting the, the quality of those assets that you have and uh, finding value in them, but investing in making them better, right? Like I just made a big investment in my first mentor. I didn't, I was not comfortable with that whatsoever. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, this is scary. Um, but at the end of that, like I'm going to take out of that process many things that are going to allow me to continue to turn into and mold myself into my own version of what I wanted to take from that person. And so the same thing will apply for you, like in your business is showing up as Sarah Ford. Like that is who you are. Nobody can be you. You are you and your clients come to you for you in the experience that you give them in the quality of the coaching that you give them. And so trusting in that, but also knowing you're doing all the right things, making the right investments, the right steps to continue to mold yourself into the coach you want to become. And knowing that you truly love it, there is no rush. It's never going to end. It's what I tell my clients about physicals. Like your physique is a moving target. My business is a moving target. There's so much opportunity within it. It's exciting and scary at all at the same fucking time. But if I continue to focus on, I have to get here, I have to get here, like then it's never enough. And you never realize how far that journey is coming for you. Because again, whether it's your physique or your business or whatever it is, like if you truly love what you're doing, that does, I hate when people say, if you truly love it, it doesn't matter what you make. No, it does. Like in order for your business to grow, you have to make some money. Like it doesn't just fall out of the sky. Like investing is not free. <laughs> I wish it was, right. but it, that's not how it works. Um, but the time commitment and the, the resources you're willing to invest in the, in the time that you're willing to spend, whether it's five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, like if you're doing the right things and you're showing up in the way that you want to show up for your business, the return on that investment is going to be much greater than you can even imagine. I, I would suspect, I mean, for me, it's just already more than I ever thought it could be. And I just get more excited every day, but, but it's because you do the right things. You have the right systems and you're willing to learn and say, I fucked up there. That was, that was not great. That was not my yeah. best. Um, and take those lessons. And I love that. I mean, that was helpful for me. And, and just something I like, you just have to, with all of this, with the business, with the health stuff, like you have to just drown out the noise and, and live in alignment for you because I'm so big on vibes. Like I know people are like, Oh, you're so woo woo. Like I'm so big on vibes. Like if I get a gut feeling about something for better or for worse, if I go against it, it always backfires. Yep. So like, you know, if you, if, you know, the social media stuff, if my gut says don't post, don't post. Um, I would say one of the biggest things for me, these, this last couple of months has been like not scrolling. 
like on my feed, like that's huge, like for your mental health, um, especially like as a coach, as a creator, um, because I don't need their noise. Like I need, I get my education from, from, you know, other places. I check up on my friends that I want to check up on and it's, it's, it's done, you know? Um, there's already enough tabs open in my brain, you know, that's exactly um, so, how I feel. That's exactly yeah. where so I don't need, I don't need any more. And, you know, I, I don't know I think it's just an ever evolving journey. Um, but I think the first steps a lot of times are just honing in on, on, you know, what's, what's authentic for you. And that's like such a, and like I said, that changes. Like my passion, yeah, it's fluid. Like my of passions has even shifted over time. Like if I really evaluated it at first, it was strength and conditioning that I did with athletes at the division one level, because that's what I love to do. I did a lot of skill set training and all that stuff. And then it was, you know, strength and conditioning and, and training in, in, uh, for coll- collegiate athletes. That's what I focused mm-hmm. on. And then it was mentoring young kids and teaching them skills and getting them in the weight room when I first started coaching. And then it was their moms because they wanted that. And it has evolved over time to get into competition prep. And now it's competition prep, prep, health, health and lifestyle, but like functional nutrition and addressing those markers. And again, like if I get another certification or degree down the road, it will be psychology because I think that health and fitness, if I'm truly going to serve my clients is some capacity of all of those elements. And I know a lot of coaches don't think about that. They're like, one of the, one of the things that bothers me and it doesn't matter because I don't run my business this way. But one thing I see is there's a lot of like reverse psychology and coaching where they'll be like the best coaches are going to give you the shortest response and the shortest feedback because that's, oh, and I'm like, I so was just talking to talk? someone about this. So I, I just, for me, it's like, I don't understand because if I'm investing so much money into somebody and they're going to give me a five word response, and that's because they're an elite coach, then I'd rather work with Joe Schmo down the block. If they're going to give me their best and they're going to educate me and take care of me and do the right things. Right. I, I, I just, I, I see a lot of that. And that's why I, for me, it was like, and this was a while ago. Cause again, I don't, I try not to watch stories or like, cause people will like use their stories as like a Twitter now and like tweet people subtweet and all that mess. I'm like, it's, this is not conducive to anything I'm, I'm developing for myself, for my business, for my clients, for anything. That's just not mm-hmm. mentally good. I, 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 that's like something I was talking to someone else about. I forget a couple of weeks ago is like that. It's just like, I'm better than you because I, I don't know. It's like, it's just, you sound like an asshole. Like, honestly, it's like, have you ever been like, have you ever played a sport? Like, have you ever been a coach like, or been coached like, or maybe you only had shitty coaches in little league or whatever the fuck you did. Like, because that's not what a coach is. Yeah. And I think in order to develop someone, so my goal is always to take someone and you should never, ever leave someone the way that you found them. Like never, that is, that is, you should be maximizing their potential beyond what they even believe they're capable of. And when it comes to health and fitness, like I said, I think that's all encompassing. A lot of it's mindset shifts. A lot of it's being self-aware. A lot of it's habits, right? A lot of it is re is breaking those, making them self-aware and then building new ones. You don't do that through here's your, here's your macros and cardio, or here's your meal plan and cardio. Here's your training, right? Go run yourself into the ground. Like, I don't even know what your movement pattern is. Like you, I need to see that. So there's just a lot um, of things and I get top level names and I get that they've earned that reputation and all that. And there's a lot of respect there. Like I'm not shitting on anybody, but I, I just urge anyone who's like actively seeking coaching really 
evaluate what it is that you need and make sure that that coach is going to give that to you. 100%. All right. Well, this was a fantastic conversation. I actually want to have you back on after the Dutch test because I don't even know. I haven't had one. Um, I've reviewed them and like learned about them, but I haven't actually like had one done or like assessed one yet. So I really want to dive into that with you next time. Yeah, I'm excited to like, cause like I said, I've been reading them like just samples and then clients and I'm like excited to like look at my own. So I have to wait till, till next month, just cause you do want to do it. Like if you're, if you have a somewhat regular menstrual cycle, you want to do it like day 21 ish. Um, but anyway, yeah. So January. Awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll reconvene in the future, but Sarah, thank you for coming on and having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.